The Four Diego's proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call one three hundred three double six six three nine. A big Four Diego's welcome to one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world, Mark Bosnich. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, boys. How are you? I'd just like to introduce the panel. I'm Warren Diego. We have Manuel Manuel Diego, Carlos Alberto Diego, and I can't forget the lovely Carmen Miranda. Mark, it's great to have you on the show, and hopefully in the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to have a bit of fun and ask you a few questions and let the Aussie people uh, get to know a little bit more about you. Now, Mark, okay. there's no doubt that you've taken over the mantle from Craig Johnson as Australia's highest-profiled soccer player. We know Craig's fairy tale story from Newcastle in New South Wales to Middlesbrough apprentice and then a Liverpool player. What's yeah. the Mark Bosnich story from a young Australian hopeful to Premier League goalkeeper with Aston Villa? Uh, it's a bit complicated. You've only got 20 minutes, so I'll cut it quite short. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I went went to uh, on a family holiday to Croatia. I think it was back in 1987. And on the end of that trip, I went to Liverpool for three days, and fortunately enough, they asked me to sign. Um, I said I would sign for them at the start of the next season, which is the 1988 season. In that time, from 87 to, I think it was September 87 to July 88, uh, fortunately Manchester United also came in and I was able to bargain myself a better deal there. So I signed for Manchester United, spent three years there, uh, did my apprenticeship and so forth. Unfortunately, couldn't stay in the country because of visa problems. Came back to Australia, played the, the, the right number of caps uh, allowable uh, under the visa regulations and uh, went back to Aston Villa where I've been for the last five years and um, fortunately uh, again forced my way into the first team and had a, some relative success mm. uh, Mark this is Carlos Alberto Diego speaking, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us um, I think I might just all call you Diego <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good idea mate um, You've been described as uh, one of the best goalkeepers in the world um, does this label put pressure on you or do you thrive on that high expectation? Uh, a little bit of both, actually. I, I've never actually said it. It's, it has been said by other people. But what it does do sometimes is um, uh, people become then overcritical of you because w once you start putting labels like that on people, they expect perfection and nothing nothing less. So in that instance, it, it can create its own little problem. But uh, if you really want to be, I suppose, uh, you know, the best at something, you, you're going to have to put up with things like that. And having that expectation surrounding you, if you can put up with that and, and that type of pressure, then uh, well, you, you're worth your salt and maybe you're worth that tag. Hey, Mark, this is Diego number two speaking. <laughs> uh, uh, recently, you actually involved in the uh, Socceroo training camp in England. What was yes. the general mood amongst the, the players and uh, what, what type of mood did uh, El Tel try and inspire amongst the players? Yeah, well, I don't know. we should call him maybe El Diego. El Diego, yes. <laughs> Good idea, actually. Uh, no, it was, it was excellent. We had a great three days down in London, and uh, the mood and the spirit um, was very good, as it always is. Um, but with uh, El Tel, as, as you guys might politely pronounce it, um, with him sort of giving his uh, own unique touch to the whole event, and the team talk we had on the first night was uh, it was really inspirational. He made, he made it very simple the way we want to play and, and the way he does things. But it, it touched the chord with each, each of the Aussie boys. And, uh, you know, us Aussie boys don't suffer fools too easily, but I can tell you everyone in the room was so, so impressed. Mm. And after speaking to some of the home base boys, they speak exactly the same. We're talking about here a guy who's been around. He's one of the most experienced coaches there is, and he's also one of the best coaches that there are in the world. So we're not talking, you know, 
just some, you know, airy fairy, some guy who's just around, you know, like this for the money or something like that. Yeah. We are talking about true classy, and that's what you'd expect for somebody like him of his pedigree. Mm. And Mark, it was a was a training camp, but uh, what what stage did he introduce the marshmallows and the uh, <laughs> and the fire? Did he? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the first night he. he um, quite nicely took us to his club which is across the road from the hotel scribes west to watch the football so that was uh, mm. that was the first night the marshmallows came did out did you have to buy your own drinks there mark <laughs> pardon did you have to buy your own drinks there no fortunately we got the first one free on the house. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was only hot milk for the boys it was a bit late at night oh, okay <laughs> Mark, this is Carmen Miranda here. Um, hi, Carmen. Hi. Um, there has actually been some criticism to the Venables' appointment as national coach. Now, you've really probably answered um, part of that, but is there anything else that you could say to the doubters that would actually convince them that he is the right man for the job? Well, first of all, I'd like to say the doubters, I'd like them to announce themselves because what you'll find is the majority of them haven't got a clue about football mm. and if they're really honest with themselves, they haven't played the game at any type of level so they wouldn't really know. So it really is just an opinion of theirs. Yeah. And uh, and second of all, if they've got the courage to announce themselves after that, then I'd say to them, listen, you are talking about somebody with a record that's second to none, and it's got worldwide respect. Mm -hmm. And I also give them a for the Euro '96, and to show how England, who have been, uh, how can we say, uh, they've for the last ten or so years, they've flattered to deceive, and perhaps with the exception of the 1990 World Cup under Bobby Robson, and the suffered a lot of criticism in international football but in Euro 96 um, they struck fear into the hearts of, of the heavyweights of world football and mm. perhaps were unlucky not to win it mm. so that would be my final little uh, message to them to, to get a video of that and to watch how so-called ordinary players all of a sudden become world beaters overnight and that doesn't happy, happen just automatically mm. Mm. Now Mark there's, there's so many games, you're playing in so many different competitions, there's so much pressure and scrutiny on Premier League players I'm just wondering, is it still really fun to play Premier League soccer? You know what I mean? Do you, get, do you have fun with the guys? Is there practical jokes in the change rooms? Is it still genuinely really enjoyable playing Premier League soccer? There, there are times when um, things are going wrong and it can become very hectic. Um, but on the whole, if you really weigh it up and uh, compare yourself to other people in other walks of life, you have to say it is fun. You're doing something that you love. You're doing it you know, virtually 24 hours a day. You've got high profile. You've got the money now. And if you're sensible and you look after yourself, conceivably after 10 years in the Premier League, you won't have to work again. Mm. And that's just, fortunately now for us, that is a fact of life. So on, on the whole, if you really look at it, like I said, the whole picture, you have to say, yes, it is enjoyable. You're going to suffer setbacks as you are in any walk of life. And unfortunately, when you've got a, such a high profile and, and people expecting a lot of... The lows are lower, but the highs are mm. conceivably higher. And if you maybe might have some three or four times in your career, you might have some unbelievable highs, but it makes it all the worthwhile, um, all the suffering that you go through for those highs because they are tremendous. Mm. Mark, uh, Carlos, again, uh, there's a rumour going around that you enjoy the TV program Faulty Towers. Um, yeah. What's, uh, <laughs> what's your favourite episode, mate? Uh, my favourite episode, I don't know if you saw it, it was the 13th episode. There was only 12, mate, that was the 13th episode <laughs> in September. That White Hart Lane, I don't know if you saw it. Yes, right? yes. I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. When you, when you decided... I was the star of that one, so I was an ambition. Well, uh, with regards to the Basil Faulty, don't mention the war salute that you did uh, uh, give a rendition of it um, at White Hart Lane. At what point did you realise that people were not taking it in the spirit it was uh, intended? 
Oh, when I when I started seeing snipers falling on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, after the game, um, when I walked out and uh, there was about sixty or seventy um, press people, when normally there's about nine or ten yeah. football press people, when there was about sixty or seventy press people, not only from football but from uh, from all from all types of sort of uh, you know normal print press TV and everything so I realised yeah. then I had made it some sort of impact <laughs> yeah is it true that um, you actually got back into the change rooms you realised that gee, I, I might have to make an apology here rang up the BBC and made it live uh, from the toilet or from the showers or something like well, that actually what happened was after the game they, uh, the coaches made it known to me that it was a Jewish club but I still yeah. I sort of thought well they can't you know seriously they can't think I was you know really trying to make a bad job, but, uh, yeah. you know, considering the circumstances surrounding it but like I said when I saw the press corps afterwards I realised it had made an effect it, excuse me we were coming home on the bus and every Saturday at this between um, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock uh, an MP here called David Meller of the Conservative Party hosts a, a football focus show on BBC which yeah. is widely listened to by everybody in football and I, I'm, I'm no different the actual team bus don't actually listen to the program just in case they say anything bad about them and their egos <laughs> yeah, suffer it. But I actually listened to it on my headphones yeah. and I heard some of the callers that were ringing in. I thought some of them were absolutely ridiculous. So we've got a mobile phone ban in force at the soccer club because mm. of problems we had a couple of years ago. That's another story anyway. Mm-hmm. So I went down into the, the into the toilet on the on the club coach <laughs> and made a phone call straight through to David Miller and once they'd ascertained that it was actually me speaking and they thought it was a crank caller, yeah. I... I aired my views so everybody could hear so they just realised that well, I did have nothing to hide and just wanted to hear my side of the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Mark, this is Manuel or Diego number seven actually. <laughs> uh, what's, what, what's been your most memorable moment in the English Premier League? Your most in the English Premier League, most memorable yeah. moment. The two trophies we won at Wembley, the, the two League mm-hmm. Cup uh, mm-hmm. winners medals, um, yep. they have to go down as your most memorable moments. When you actually win something like that and to, to do the lap of honour of Wembley it's, it's a great feeling to know that you've actually achieved something that nobody can take away from you mm-hmm. it makes all the hard work and all those sort of uh, I don't want to say blood sweat and tears because you're crying me off the programme but like, <laughs> it, it makes all the sacrifice worthwhile even going back to times in Australia you know when you know you had to go to training and you know your mum and dad had to even make sacrifice he had you know, dad had to be home earlier from work mm-hmm. to take me to training so it makes all that worthwhile so that's why i gave my first two medals to my mum and dad so yeah. things like that that's what makes that's it a beautiful thing mark that's, yeah actually, that's fantastic actually we were actually in tears <laughs> there <laughs> wait for the hills and allow the sound of music yeah. <laughs> um mark what do you actually envisage yourself doing when you retire from professional football when I retire from, I, I'm not quite sure yet, Carmen. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll be able to sit back and have a choice. Yep. Um, really, I don't think in football you can look that far ahead because, I mean, touch wood, it doesn't happen. But you know, a week is such a long time in football, and <laughs> next week I might be talking, I might have lost my place, or mm. injury yeah. might have might have occurred. So I don't really know. I would like to remain in the game in some type of capacity, but I have got a wide range of interests, business interests, and that as well. Mm. But I would definitely like to keep myself busy. Um, ideally, I would like to manage a team mm-hmm. and see how that went. If I didn't get too many grey hairs after a couple of years, <laughs> I'd like to do that. Um, but there's also the media. Yeah. Um, I've worked with the media. I still do over here to quite an extent, and I find that quite rewarding. Though there's nothing like actually being out there and putting yourself in the firing line. It's easy to, you know, have opinions on other people because you can always, you know, if you're writing an article, you can always pull the article yeah. out and rip it up and start yeah. again. But when you're actually out there in the firing line, you don't get no audition. So I, preferably I'd like to be in the firing line, but if nothing else, 
perhaps something to do with the game and try to put something back into the game. Whether that be in Australia or in Europe, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'd definitely like to live somewhere where it's hot, I can tell you, because (laughs) after about nine winters over here, it's starting to take its toll. Yeah. So, do you think you'll revive your modelling career, perhaps, at the end of coach uh, at the end of um, soccer? No, definitely not. I think by that time, I said the grey hairs would be showing, and perhaps balding might have started. So, I think I'll leave that to others. Now, Mark Robbie Fowler is a personal favourite of me in particular. I'm a fanatical Liverpool yes, supporter. We him for the first time yes. Time. What I was going to say is, uh, he's put the ball in the back of the net ten out of the last eleven occasions he's played Aston Villa. Now, I'm just wondering if you're walking out of the tunnel on Sunday, whether you just had a, a quick word in Robbie's ear about what might happen if he scores another goal against you. And uh, did you have anything special to say for, to him in particular when you uh, managed to beat them on Sunday? Uh, no, nothing really. I actually I get on really well with the Liverpool lads, and especially Robbie. We, well, we, uh, myself, say Dwight York, Hugo Ekiog, and people like Robbie Fowler, Jamie Redknapp. We broke into the first team around the same time as, as mm. each other. Mm. And the funny thing is, when we first got in the side, they couldn't beat us. But for the last four games that we've played them, excluding the one on Sunday, they've beaten mm. us every time. They had what you, you know, a bit of an Indian sign over us, and especially <laughs> Robbie, just out, he seemed to score for fun. Yeah. And, you know, more than any other striker I've played against. But I didn't say anything special to him. I just gave him a wink and just, <laughs> just maybe a little bit of a dirty look. But he yeah. was unlucky, actually. He had one great chance, which virtually just hit my arm yeah. and, and, and went over. So, mm. um, But it was about time, I told him after, it was about time he didn't score one goal. <laughs> Everyone's allowed to slip up. But yeah. uh, looking at half time, they're winning tonight in Europe and he scored in the ninth minute tonight. So he's oh, made right. up for it anyway. Oh, yes. okay. um, at, a recently, at the recently ended match-fixing trial in England, um, you were asked to be a character witness for a good friend of yours, John Fashionew, uh, Mark. Uh, when, uh, in my mind, when you're a character uh, witness, you've got to create a good impression for the jury. Did you, what steps did you take to impress the jury? I mean, did you wear your special suit? Did you, <laughs> were you well-groomed? Did you wear your special cologne? I mean, what, what did you do to sort of get in there and make a good impression? Actually, it was quite funny. I, mean, I, mean, I was actually a witness for the prosecution, would you believe? But yeah. I ended up <laughs> like a character witness for John because he's a very good friend of mine. He yeah. didn't stay with me for six months, mm. and I know him very well. Um, to impress the jury, well, first impressions count a lot. So I definitely went down to, to, to London first to get myself some, some, nice, some nice threads. <laughs> and then after that, I just put on my smile, that's all, and tried to be as honest as possible. That's the, that's the best way to impress people. <laughs> um, just with the other two that were accused, uh, Bruce Grobelar and Hans Sagers, being goalkeepers, um, have you found that since the accusations came out that there's been a new scrutiny on goalkeepers, especially those who are a little bit eccentric, a bit out of the ordinary like yourself? A little bit, uh, especially from the crowds who like to you know, use any type of uh, anything going on to wind you up. And also I had to put up a little bit of innuendo concerning myself because obviously when John stayed with me, um, Aston Villa didn't have the best of seasons. So that was a little bit difficult at times. But yeah. at the end of the day, like I said, when, when you've got nothing to hide and you know the real truth, it, it doesn't really concern you. But yeah. it's not nice to defend yourself sometimes against things that you, know, you shouldn't be defending yourself against. Mm. However... Really looking at it, you know, factually, I mean, I've seen the facts and I've been in, in the courtroom and heard everything that's been said. And factually, in my opinion, I can't see how they can be convicted. Mm. All it is is circumstantial evidence and the word of, of a self-confessed liar, really, against, you know, three highly respected footballers and mm. one respected businessman. Mm. But at the end of the day, you know, these things are, are different to everyday life. It's out of our hands. And now mm. there's a retrial um, unfortunately for the for the people involved they're going to have to go through another six or seven months 
of hell mm. when really they should be sitting at home enjoying their sort of retirement. Actually, it sounds like you've, you may have a future in law um, uh, after your playing career, Mark. Circumstance. I just finished actually Johnny Cochran's book, so. Uh... <laughs> and and Mark, it just sounds like you love uh, Basil Fawlty because we know in a fish called Wanda, he uh, John Cleese, he played a lawyer as well and did yeah. a damn fine job That's of right. it too. That's right. I can see myself doing a final summation in court. That'd be fantastic. Love yeah. <laughs> doesn't fit. You must acquit. No, that's good. right. And Mark, there's there's plenty of Aussies playing in England at the moment. Um, what, what type of contact do you have with the Aussies? Is it like a, a bit of a wave before the game? Is it a, a handshake or is this basically n- nothing much at all? Yeah, it's like a two-way thing. Uh, when they want something, they ring me up. And, and <laughs> no, uh, no, we have good contact, and um, especially when we get to these get-togethers, everybody then um, can catch up on what's been going on and so mm-hmm. forth. But I, I let it be known to them, especially the younger ones yep. and uh, the lads who have come over here, even even a little bit of an older agent who don't know the ins and outs and what actually goes on here and mm-hmm. the few of the trappings. Oh, I, I tell them more if they ever feel... Uh, like they need to talk about anything, to don't hesitate to give me a call because the one fortunate thing about me coming over when I was 16 is that I learned a lot early and young and it gave me time to recover from some, some of the things that I learned and now it's nice to pass on some of the wisdom to, to fellow Australians. Mm-hmm. Now, Mark, in Australia, we, we probably get too much saturation of players like Cantona and Fowler and, and mostly it's all Liverpool and Manchester United and that sort of stuff. Dwight York's become a particular favourite of the Fort Diego's. He's such a um, effervescent and uh, such a, a great player to watch. He's been so highly successful at Aston Villa. What do you think makes him so good? And uh, how would you rate him? I mean, you have to stop most of the strikers every week trying to score goals against you. How would you rate him against the other star strikers in the Premier League? Well, so far as I'm concerned, if you look at his goal record and you look at even this season, it's as good as anyone in the Premier League. And that's how I would rate him. And that's how everybody rates him over here as well. He is one of the best strikers in the Premier League. It's, it's as simple as that. And uh, it's fortunately for Villa that tied him up to a four-year contract because there would have been no shortage of takers here or abroad. Um, there were offers that came in from top class from Spain and from Italy at the end of last season. And like I said, we're really fortunate to have someone of his calibre. I've known him since we've been 19 years of age and he's my best friend. And um, he has got a special talent. It took him a while mentally to come out of his shell because... Uh, naturally he's just really a a really nice nice caribbean lad Mm. and uh you know he's he's not your sort of typical snarling fast bowler sort of west indian he's like (laughs) or yeah more you're just honest to goodness sort of real nice lad and it took him a while over here to sort of come to terms with like i said with the mental side but last year he really come out of his shell and he hasn't looked back really and no, in Australia, he's coming over with myself and, and Brian Lara in, in June. So we'll be coming over to Australia to see everyone. Oh, well, is, that, is that a live interview with the 40 Diego's there, Mark? It might be. It, it might be. It depends if we can get some time off from El Tel. But uh, apparently Brian Lara was so impressive with Australia this time he was over here. Not, obviously not with the cricket because we yeah. beat them, but he was impressed with the social side that... Uh, Dwight uh, is going to accompany him and he wants to come out of us when we go back in June. So, so does that uh, give us the impression there might be a little bit of West Indian in you, Mark? Does, uh, <laughs> does, uh... Yeah, they sort of, they, they claim me. So with all my friends that I, like I said, virtually broke into the first team with uh, are, are coloured. So um, I don't know. I might have to get a little bit more of a suntan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we all know, uh, Gareth Southgate, your teammate Aston Villa, missed the crucial Euro 96 yeah. semi-final penalty that prevented England from making the final. Uh, Mark, you know, knowing you're a bit of an Aussie, a bit of a lad, um, did you comfort him like a mate or did you uh, just, like a true de- fair dinkum Aussie, bag him and give him heaps? <laughs> no, we bagged him. First day he was back, we bagged him. <laughs> 
we've got a little saying in our team, like, you know, if any of the players have got a problem, um, instead of sort of keeping it to everyone, we just bag the person with the problem and it's not a problem anymore. Oh, okay. so, look, it's a bit of a small town atmosphere in our, in our team. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we gave him a, a little bit of stick, but we also sort of, eased up so that we didn't really go to the full extent that we that we could have we kept that ace up our sleeve just in case he got a bit out of order (laughs) okay mark just to wrap things up we always finish off with the four diego's word association quiz in which we ask you to respond to a word or statement okay you actually ready for this right go on (laughs) okay terry venables clever Ah. politicians in fishnet stockings Powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, English pubs? Boring. Okay. Ron Atkinson? Loud. And last but not least, the Four Diego Soccer Show? Fun. Fun. Oh, Oh, good idea, mate. Well, look, thanks, Mark, for your time. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. But before we go, every week we ask our Hall of Fame guests, and we have huge guests here, to choose their all-time favourite song. What's yours, mate? My all-time favourite song? Yep. Um, let me think. <laughs> well, we, we're rummaging through our CDs, make sure we've got it here. Right, let me think, let me think. Um, I think I'll go for that one by the village people. And w- which one is that one, mate? You know that one, uh, the gigolo? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes, we just, yeah, we happen to have that here. I'm just a gigolo by the village people. Thanks oh, again. You don't, you do, that's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Mark, uh, for being on the show, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Let's hope Aston Villa make it into Europe competition next year, or even maybe even win the league. Let's hope someone knocks off Manchester United anyway. Okay, no problem. It'll be a bit more difficult than, than it sounds, but we'll try. Good on you, okay, mate. Thank well you done. very much. We've been talking to Aston Villa legend and Socceroo goalkeeper Mark Bosnich on the Four Diego's Guest of the Week. The Four Diego's, proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639.